Welcome to the Double Loop Podcast, your source for everything about fingerprints while you're working on your comparisons. We'll talk about comparisons. I'm Eric Ray. And I'm Glenn Langenberg. Hey, Glenn, I, I was recently, recently having a discussion with someone about listening to our podcast. And I say this every week, you know, the list, working on your comparisons, we'll talk about comparisons. I think that's the case for some examiners, but I think there's a, quite a few of them that actually can't do comparisons while they listen to us. Have you heard that feedback from us others as well? I'm one of them. I I, right. ca- I cannot listen to people having conversations while I'm doing comparisons. It's it's too distracting and mentally taxing for me. I, I can't do it. I, I actually have a difficult time even listening to music as well. Really? Yeah. I you know for me I think it depends on what it is, right? If it's what part of comparison it is. I think like during analysis or even like image enhancement kind of stuff it's just kind of going but real like searching that searching component right i i end up losing a bit of what the what whoever i'm listening to is talking about yeah i i won't hear a thing i I can i will tune it all out it will just it'll i but i can do that i'm very good at becoming laser focused and tuning everything out because if i i'll just get way too distracted yeah I, i can't do it and and see, I my my I remember my mom complaining uh, doing my homework in high school where I had on you know the CD player the uh, little I don't know seven inch black and white TV while also doing you know my homework and asking like how are you doing your homework with all of that going on I'm like I don't know I just I think part of it for me is having the extra noise helps me focus mm. it's kind of the opposite thing kind of like uh, do you remember when, the very first time we met how it helped me to focus on you as the instructor me as the student if I was doodling the whole time yes yes uh, great yeah good point Anyway, just thought I'd mention the comment that I got here recently. But uh, sure. what, what else we want to do to open the show here this week? Well, I'm going to give you the anagram today. Right. I did this one by hand, so I think it's right. All right. So our words for today, and it actually will relate to something in the episode. The words are three words. Starring Cole Finns. And so that's starring, S-T-A-R-R-I-N-G, like starring in a movie. Coal, C-O-A-L, like black lump of coal. Fins, as in dorsal fins on a fish. Starring Coal Fins. Which sounds like a great movie name, by the way. <laughs> uh, oh, no, know. an actor. Yeah. The latest action movie, you know. Um, Jaws uh, 4, and, starring Cole Finns. Colin Cole Finns, right. Uh, and that's, that's exactly it. An, an 80s kind of mid to low budget action movie that you found in the back corner of the video store. Yes. Uh, I will get to work on that. Uh, so this week, a big thanks to some new Patreon supporters. Uh, thank you to Tracy and to Juan uh, for both joining our little crew uh, and contributing to the show. Very much appreciate both of you and everyone else that uh, continues to send us a couple bucks each month uh, to help us keep going. It's it's really helpful in paying the bills and stuff, but also uh, you know just helpful in. You know, really just keeping us going, right? You know, keeping us motivated to 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 keep moving forward and keep putting these episodes out. Both uh, patrons that uh, send us those couple bucks, but then also just all of the listeners out there, uh, really around the world that uh, that listen to uh, to all of our ideas and craziness that we talk about every week. Well, Eric, that is the perfect segue because guess what? I was going to cheer you up with reading a few a- excerpts from emails, including one from around the world. 
Uh, hey. we, had, we had an email from a uh, friend of the show by the name of Kurt in Switzerland. So Kurt from Switzerland. Hey, Kurt. Well, he was uh, thanking us for the Double Loop podcast because apparently he's been listening to it on long drives. And he was uh, discussing various issues amongst APHIS with us and uh, had some really interesting thoughts on APHIS algorithms and ways to improve. Uh, I think in previous shows we've talked about having a dynamic searching feature with respect to... Uh, there was this research done at Lausanne that showed that... Uh, the, the length of your list can be directly related to the number of minutia that you have. So if you have a few number of minutia, you might need to have a longer candidate list. However, if you have, for example, 15 to 20 minutia, that candidate's going to likely be in the very top of that list. So that the number of minutia present tend to have a direct correlation to where the candidate will be in the list if they show up. And he was referencing that and made some really good points about while that may be true, it's also very important to have these intelligent systems that do searches that launch the latent print in different ways, preferably behind the scenes and then synthesize the the lists together. But he had some really interesting insight on um, searching algorithms. Oh, yeah. The future is AI. And the algorithms learning on their own how to be better, which unfortunately comes at a cost of us understanding how it works, uh, but just accepting the more accurate results <laughs> that that come out. That's a whole nother discussion. But uh, no, good to hear, Kurt. Uh, uh, thanks for listening. And and I'm trying to imagine now how far you would possibly have to drive, you know, <laughs> across oh. <laughs> switzerland um, but that's just coming from you know growing up in arizona uh where, where the next closest anything is two hours away at least so <laughs> right yeah he, he mentioned he's driving 40 minutes one way which uh that's on the other side of the country quite literally in switzerland i, I would still be within <laughs> phoenix city limits <laughs> i wouldn't even change cities <laughs> yeah but i mean it's great because you know he's a yeah. native german speaker Although right. it is the Bern German, the, the, the Bernays German. So, mm, <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm making fun of the, the Swiss German. Uh, but, I mean, it's amazing. His natural language, mother tongue is German, but listens right. to our podcast in English. That's, that, that's so flattering to hear. And also received uh, an, another email from a listener by the name of Anya. Anya writes us saying that she's back listening to episodes and was listening to the Cedric Newman and Shampoo interview. So a while back, what was that now, a year and a half, two years ago? Oh, boy. Yeah, I had to, I'd have to look. <laughs> well, listen to this. Uh, she mentioned that she just listened to Della's interview about the Bornick case from oh, yeah. from British Columbia. So, yeah, that was yeah, yeah maybe two years ago. So, anyway, she was saying thank you and really appreciated our service in the, the episode. And she's really enjoying it. So, that that's really cool, too. I, I believe she's writing us from Canada. So two international listeners that you didn't even know I was going to bring up and you and you talked about listeners around the world. I did. It's 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 kismet. It's a uh, uh, ghost of the age. What's that? What's that in German? The um, zeitgeist. Uh, ah. You know, it's in the air. Uh, the, the ideas. Uh, uh, and, you know, hopefully then that means that uh, this surprise topic you're springing on me will, will go well as well. <laughs> 
Oh, not sure about that. <laughs> we'll, okay. we'll see. We'll see. Now, I've, as I alluded to last time, we're going to talk about some different cases and applications. And we talked about this legal admissibility. And I've actually recently been involved in some cases that had that. So we're going to talk about that today. So, right. So, Eric, I have not actually talked to you about these cases and what I was going to share with you. So it's going to be a little new for you, but I deliberately did that so I can get some realistic feedback from you and, you know, some potentially controversial uh, thoughts from you. I mean, we we may not agree on this, and that's great. I mean, you know, I like when we have episodes that present different viewpoints. So we may not agree, and I'm fine with that. And I really want to hear your thoughts or how you might have approached this differently. Uh, In my situation, I had, at least with one of these cases, fairly limited time. So I kind of had to do what I was able to do in such a limited time. Sure. Uh, but I've actually been testifying a lot in the COVID period. I've testified six times now in the last couple of months. Holy that's, cow. That, yeah, that's more than I've testified uh, in any one year. I'm trying to think if I've ever testified six times. And I've got a couple more slated down the road, too. So. Yeah, I- I think my tops ever was five. And again, that, that's working as a full-time <laughs> forensic right, scientist. Right. Yeah. Uh, wow. So I'll, I'll, I'll start off with the first case and I'm lay this out for you. So this was a case that I got involved in, and I had never actually done this kind of exam before. So I'd like just – I'm going to explain this to you because this is probably going to happen more often in the future, and we'll kind of walk through this a little bit. So, Eric, have you ever done a non-friction ridge skin identification? But, but still skin identification. Non-friction ridge skin, correct. Well, okay, in uh... – my first year at the II conference back in 08, uh, I took uh, John Vanderkolk's workshop mm-hmm. on yep. this kind of thing. Uh, so in that classroom environment, uh, I did some non-refrigerated skin uh, comparisons. I think it involved the skin kind of just past the edge, uh, but then also, I, th- I want to say elbow. Yeah, um, he's got some elbow prints. And definitely lip. Yes, but only in that kind of classroom environment. Okay. And all the kind of limitations that come with that. And Sure, sure. All right, so let, now let me ask you this question. Have you ever done a friction ridge examination, now friction ridges, mind you, off of a photograph or like a cell phone photo or a Facebook photo? Have you ever had to engage in a, and some sort of identification using a photograph of the skin as the source, or sorry, as the unknown and then compare it to, say, an inked print. Uh, yes. Uh, so I remember the first time this came up, crime scene guy from the PD, where I where I used to work in the Lake Havasu satellite lab uh, for Arizona. I was helping him out with with something else, or he he had had a question um, and said, "Hey, by the way, we got this camera in, you know, recovered evidence, and on it, you know, yeah, there's here's all the guys that stole all the stuff." But one of the pictures is the guy like holding a handgun and you can see his like entire palm in the picture really clearly. Mm-hmm. And he said, if I were to give you this, could you run it through APHIS? He was just curious. Again, he, they'd already solved the case because they also took pictures of themselves, right? So they didn't really need this. And I looked at it and I was like, yeah, that's actually much better than a lot of latents that we get. <laughs> uh, but over the years, there's been a few cases circ- that will cycle through over email of, Hey, can you please run these uh, these prints? They were from a 
uh, child abuse, like a uh, you know, sexual abuse case where they recovered some images from the internet. Uh, and then also then after I left Arizona and went to work for I3, there were a couple uh, instances where I had to do some comparisons like that. And it was actually right after the conference last year where there were a few presentations on, on basically how to calibrate these images. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, kind of took that information. <laughs> because they're not standing there with a scale in their hand while they're exactly. posing how in, with, with uh, how inconsiderate. Very inconsiderate of them. <laughs> yes. um, and it really <laughs> helped because the, my initial calibration uh, didn't work. So I, I went up and down, I think, 25% each way. Uh, resizing the image from what the calculation should have been based on average ridge frequency, ran each of those again, and then one of them did end up producing a candidate that uh, I identified. That is, that's amazing. That's great. I'll, I have an amazing idea. Gun manufacturers should put uh, a ruler on the grips of their guns. That would make our <laughs> lives huh, a lot better. Because oh, because basically, if you get a picture from you know like this from an officer, they're, they're, it's usually of a bad guy holding a gun. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, I can see that. All right. Did you have any concerns about your expertise in doing those sorts of examinations? I understand there were friction ridge exams, but did were you concerned about going from your traditional medium, what you were trained in, and probably within the scope of your accreditation? Any concerns about that? Were those ever raised? How did you manage or deal with that? Um, not really. I mean, so for example, that first one from way back when I didn't even do anything with it, it was so crystal clear that I was just at a spot able to say, yeah, this would be no problem. In some of the other ones I've seen over the years, it's kind of typical that you get multiple fingers in the shot. And looking at them, you know, it was some of them, I would say, can't work with these. There's just not enough here. Uh, so other than making that analysis suitability decision up front, you're not really that same level of concern. Uh, you know, if nothing else, I would generally tend to want more similarities than normal before reaching uh, an identification. But that would kind of be the way I'd I'd work through that. Uh, I mean, it's fairly typical that I would come a, you know across a new surface that I haven't processed before or, or compared a p- fingerprint that was left on it before but it's you know same kind of thing it's it's a new type of surface and, and there may be some minor differences in how I do the comparison but nothing really significant enough to be con- super concerned about okay yeah I mean I've, I've done at least one case or probably two now in those circumstances I didn't have any issues with that, just because I mean, it was if it was a fingerprint examination or a palm print examination, just sure. using different media. But media I was familiar with, you know, in in this manner. You know, I've worked with digital photographs before. So the, this case that I found myself involved in here uh, involved a non-friction ridge skin impression. And it was, uh, well, I don't think it, it, it's very biasing, but it's a very serious case in the sense that it's child pornography where you can see the individual's potential hand in there. It seems to be where these come up the most. Right. That's why I thought it's worth bringing up because I think these kinds of cases are going to come up more. And, you know, as Friction Ridge examiners wanted to talk about, you know, how if we're you know, tasked with doing these sorts of cases, you know, how we how we should be going about doing that. 
So it involved basically two knuckles, two knuckles of the hand and the oh creases <laughs> of the knuckles. So it's a, a knuckle crease case. And you can see it in the uh, in the unknown image, you know, if you will, the, um, the contraband image. And then uh, the law enforcement took photographs of the the hand as well for known impressions. So comparing here, non-friction ridge skin, but creases, creases in the knuckles uh, from hand to hand to hand. Okay. Share your thoughts with that, and did I was I overextending my expertise here, especially using the Ace V approach? What are your thoughts? And given that you've taken John Vanderkolk's class and workshop, you know he talks about the application of Ace V exactly in a scenario like this, and that you know given the uniqueness of skin, what do you think? Be blunt and honest. No, no. First thought is is good. You know, they you you. It's a it's photo to photo. They 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 didn't go out and then take like a a rolled impression of the knuckle and give you an inked impression to compare <laughs> to the photo. Right. So okay, that good start. Uh, it's funny. I uh, I'm looking at my thumbs right now. So the the knuckle of my thumb, kind of the only knuckle the thumb has, right underneath the the nail bed. Um, since I was a child, I've noticed that if I kind of scrunch up the nu- knuckle a little bit, the skin to make the mm-hmm. the knuckle joints like a little fatter. Yeah. Um, my left knuckle makes an S, and my right thumb knuckle makes a Z. Uh huh. Okay. I, I've again, I've noticed this since I was probably like seven, and it, it's still that way. So it would depend really highly on. On the photos, I think. Uh, suppose you could see, you know, again, two knuckles, 15, 16 creases. Across, you know, I think like 11 and one. And because the angle on the on the way the hand is, maybe four or five in the other. But not all of them are clear. I mean, to be honest, with given the lighting, some of them are sort of faint and some drop out. Uh, much like a poem in comparison, if you're looking in the thinner, you can't clearly see all of those creases. Even when you're following along, sometimes you have to take a little bit of interpretation of exactly where that crease is. So to be fair, some of them were not really clearly full. You know, They didn't have the same visibility as the knowns, which are taken right. under ideal conditions. Okay, so overall, would I compare these when if if asked? Start starting there. I think my answer would be yes. Okay. Now I would have two immediate kind of follow up qualifiers to that. One would be wanting to get multiple photos of the thumbs to try to recreate the lighting conditions as much as possible, and and just getting lots and lots of photos of them. To you know, make sure, we'll make sure a what I'm looking at is is consistently there and appearing, uh, but then also trying to put it underneath as much the same conditions as possible, to to see that if the same thing is appearing in both. And then also, the, what I would really have to think about is what my conclusion scale would look like. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. Okay. This is one of the topics I wanted to to bring up with you of how you might have approached your conclusions. So given that. This this may be the only <laughs> crease back of hand crease comparison uh, I'm going to do in my career. I very much hesitate on that 
identification term, not without that background of seeing many, 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 and getting that feel for many, 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 being able to search for what's closest out there through an APHIS system, uh, what other samples look like. And why would that be important to you? And and what if you didn't have access to lots and lots of other hands and knuckle creases? Assuming that the skin itself is unique to that person. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that I couldn't be fooled by someone maybe even a relative that has a very similar looking set of creases on the back of their hand where a photograph of it, not the actual skin itself, but a photograph of the skin might be similar enough where I couldn't tell the difference. I know, you know, through a lot of experience and, and seeing very similar samples of known different sources in regular friction ridge comparisons, roughly where that line is and, and how to, be comfortable with identification to, I don't know, just talk. I'm not giving the official court answer, more kind of talking shop kind of answer. Yeah, no, no, of, and that, that's what this is meant to be here. I'm right. not you know, trying to put you on the spot with that. I'm really yeah, trying yeah. to pick your brain how you might have approached this. And and then, you know, that's why I'm wondering if you didn't have access to that database, didn't have access to, let's say, hundreds of images of knuckle creases. Right. You know, would that have been, you know, a, a showstopper for you? I would have to really think about using the term identification mm-hmm. and you may want to reserve that for, from what you described, something with more uh, than what you described. Okay. Um, but uh, that, so that's the part of, of whether or not to use that word identification, even again, even if I even got that far yeah, down the line of finding the similarities, and and I would I would honestly, just knowing myself, know that if I did the comparison first before making that decision internally of whether or not to use ID or, or putting some guidelines on myself as to when or if to use it, if I found some similarities, I'd want to use it. So I would I would really want to think it through and decide ahead of time before I started even the comparison, what's what's my scale going to look like before going in and then you know, sticking to that again, because of everything I already described. Okay. All right. So uh, next question, if you're working for one of your past agencies and particularly, actually, let me be very specific, Arizona DPS an accredited state laboratory. Okay. Do you think they would have allowed you to do this kind of examination within the scope of their accreditation? Um, I don't know. Or do you have any instances where we know that that happened? Well, okay. So the the closest I can think of uh, would be a a planter comparison of a infant print taken right ah, after birth. Interesting. Okay. To a uh, you know child, I don't know, eight, ten years, something like that later. Um, however, it was a rare instance of a planner impression of the infant where ridge detail was visible with like minutia visible. Yes. So then it becomes just like anything else. And is there an argument too that because we're experts in friction ridge skin, planter and polymer surfaces are under that umbrella? Right. And that's, that's immediately where my mind went is what does the protocol say? And mm-hmm. I believe I remember correctly, the protocols are somewhat limiting to friction ridge skin impressions. And now 
that doesn't mean that uh, QA couldn't write up a change of scope for a certain case. Sure. I would, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what they would do. I would, I'd kind of maybe put it as a coin flip as to which way they would go as to whether they'd allow that comparison to take place. I can see the side that, not who, but just the arguments to be made for it and against it. Sure, sure. Yep. Uh, and I'm going to just side note here. I just, when we were talking about planter impressions, Alice does this webinar on expertise and talks about how some of the things we think we might even within friction rate skin think we're experts in, you know, planter impressions, for example. If you actually haven't had classes or studied feet, are you really an expert in foot impressions? Do you understand the pattern, you know, the class characteristics and the distribution of these? Do you understand the, the ridge flow in planter impressions? Do those things matter? Uh, do, you know, do we need to change our thresholds for identification in planter impressions, palmer impressions, fingers and phalanges and so, you know, so forth? Uh, those, uh, to me, those are always interesting questions that, you know, we have this, we have this expertise within friction ridge skin, but are we as knowledgeable about, you know, say feet as we are palms and fingers? Oh, definitely not. I, I, I however, once, like once the similarity is found, if, if that's what you're weighing, um, I think it, in my impression, it becomes basically the same kind of question. It's the searching that mm. be, is different because you don't know as mm-hmm. well where to search and it's really shows up in people right before right you know when they before and after they take the ron smith palm class you can see how much easier that searching task gets for them and related to that then is the exclusion or inconclusive conclusions all right so l- let me go one little f- step further uh, and i'll get into some more details here so if you were preparing for a Daubert hearing for, let's say, a knuckle crease print, what would be your strategy and approach? What things would we need to be able to say, you know, this this meets a standard or some sort of admissibility? Oh, man. And and not Fry, but Daubert. Okay. Um... So I will run through the factors. General acceptance. Do you think that the examination of knuckle creases is generally accepted in forensic in forensic examination? Uh, I'm really putting I'm, on your spot. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to. Okay, so first off, as a as a preface to all this, the the, the, the things you're going to run through, right? The the gatekeeper uh, acronym yeah. um, are are not. Uh, prescriptive. We do not. We do not have to check these boxes. They are things the judge may or should consider. Great point. Or may not consider, or may consider other stuff as well. So just because we say no to one of these doesn't mean it's out. Okay. Yeah. Fair. But uh, I would have to come down on the side of no. It, it doesn't. Mm, interesting. Okay. Uh, even though there's a workshop at the IAI taught by a, a distinguished member of the IAI. Agreed. Again. I, I took that workshop 12 years ago and, and haven't done anything with it since. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so next, of course, testing and validation. That uh, it depends. Um, I, I think that I would, if my lab I worked for was going down this road and was was uh, this was what they were asked to do in a case, uh, and you know this is what we were preparing for, knowing it's this going to be this big case and, and really important. I would set that up just like a a new processing technique. 
uh, coming into the lab, you start using Indane Dione, you go through some sort of testing process to validate it for your lab. I'd set up, again, acknowledging that it's going to be limited in number Mm -hmm. and in in scope, uh, all those limitations, but to partially go in this direction of meeting this requirement, but then also, you know, in general, just uh, accreditation requirements, you know, I would have gone down this road. So this is, I'd be kind of what I'd go to first in showing this, this testing aspect. So you would have done some homework here and uh, now keeping it. I mean, you would have done some testing knowing that you're going to get involved in this. This would have been helpful to have maybe looked at multiple images from different hands and look at different variability of these uh, features and so forth. Right. Right. Try to get an idea of like how, how far away, what kind of resolution, how blurry can it be? Uh, different hands, different lighting conditions. What are, what are the limits of detection, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Uh, and a basically a small, limited scale uh, study on what's going to be suitable and sufficient, and uh, in general, how uh, examiners in the lab uh, would perform in this type of test. Okay. So if, if I hear you correctly, in fact, I heard three things in there. You would get some data on the variability of how it can manifest with, within the source, so within source variability, how it might appear under different distortions, if you will, for making a fingerprint analogy. You would try to understand how discriminating the characteristics are across different individuals and maybe even the different fingers in the same individual and different hands and so forth. Uh, so, again, intervariability and perhaps even the expert performance with accuracy, basic error rates with as limited data as you might have. But it sounds like you might have approached it from that perspective. Yes. Is that fair? Yep. Which, obviously, I may not have had access to all of that in preparing for, for this. Sure. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I, I like where your head's at. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what about known standards? What standards would you have talked about or invoked or used? And how does ACEV fit into all of this? I think it's like a standard methodology, right? Uh, Or a standard set of practices to conduct this examination. Right. Is that what not standards like like exemplars? um, Correct. What what standards are available in the profession to invoke or use, and 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 if none are limited, how would you have adopted ACEV into this? How might you have even gone about applying ACEV? Oh, sure. So, I mean, I think ACEV is is absolutely the 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 way to go. I mean, it it didn't start with latent prints. It didn't end with latent prints. Uh, it is it is applicable to this type of of comparative. Uh, examination. Uh, so starting with analysis, uh, I don't know, get it up on the screen and draw out all the creases that you see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different confidence um, levels for different creases. Using a gyro approach before looking at the known. Before looking at the known, exactly. Okay. Uh, get that all, you know, mapped out and, and um, hopefully the the uh, the testing that you you'd done using other samples would have revealed maybe some other aspects to document besides just just the creases. Um, I'm not sure what else you you'd be able to see there in the image, but you know if if there's uh, clarity enough for uh, for pores or hairs or 
you know, any, any other features that you you may have also realized during the testing, yeah, these can be helpful as well in comparison and not just the creases, which is stuff we're already kind of used to from friction ridge skin. Uh, well, I guess the pores are the same. The hairs would be something new unless you've done a comparison I'm not aware of uh, with, with the hairy palms. Um, <laughs> but but uh, uh, only documenting- when, uh, when I was a teenager. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, documenting all that, doing the side by side, same kind of standard ACV application. You know, providing uh, the verification. I think would be ramped up to to every level of verification I have available. Blind, blind, multiple, with the distractor samples. You know, the whole nine yards. Yeah, let's let's in, let's explore that. So, not just giving the knowns of, let's say, the accused in this case, but multiple exemplars from different people as well, like a lineup approach. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So the most enhanced verification possible to, to limit potential bias, given, again, all the problems that you're sort of discussing here. Yeah. B- basically, you know, multiple people all working from scratch, not seeing what anyone else did, documenting the process, you know, all okay. the way along the way. What, and what about maybe even consensus features, since not all of the creases were the same clarity in the, you know, the suspect photos? So what about even a, a working through that a consensus feature approach? And that might be a really important key part in what level of conclusion to reach. Mm, okay. And setting that maybe that up ahead of time is saying, all right, in order for really to get to the all the way top of the line identification, it's, you know, we're going to be working from this consensus feature approach and, and maybe set up some rules as to how that's all going to work. Okay. All right. Uh, but I didn't hear you say anything other than, yes, ACB is appropriate, but there isn't basically a standard for comparison knuckle creases. Can we agree on that? I, I mean, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just imagining a world where knuckle creases are, are a common everyday occurrence. And I, I can't imagine what that would be other than ACV. Right. No, but I meant um, exactly as you described, though, a more detailed ACV approach. So during your analysis, you would do this. During your comparison, you would do this for the knuckle creases, for the and so on. Yeah. Okay. So whether that's, I mean, I think that's the appropriate way to go. Again, it's kind of overlapping a bit with general acceptance if that's the way everyone would go. But I think ACV has been described enough in more in more generic terms to be applicable here okay all right so fair enough peer review are there peer-reviewed and published articles on knuckle creases that you're aware of let's say in jfi where you might expect it or other journals and are you aware of anything uh, not, not well i mean oh, without doing a literature search yourself i would assume that john's published <laughs> <laughs> on this topic I, I don't recall off the top of my head what what specific paper that is okay I, i'd have to look stuff up but again just knowing john i'm assuming that he's put something out about this so i looked in john's book and throughout the john's publications he's not he's okay. published uh, elbow on you know, elbow prints and non-friction read skin but not not knuckle creases per se and not necessarily photos but more his his are more like actual Impressions, yeah, right, exactly, yes. Okay, 
All right, so then the last one, error rates. Uh, that sounds pretty pretty straightforward. Where of any error rate studies other than what you might have done in-house? Exactly. Unless this is part of what I did in-house, there's, there's nothing. Okay. So you can appreciate the challenge here with, with a potential Dauber hearing on this. Absolutely. So I, okay. sorry if, I, if I'm asking here prematurely, but which side approached you to, to participate in this, uh, in this case? Yeah, so now I'm going to discuss the details of the case with you. Okay. All right. So. Uh, it's almost like we've been doing this for seven years. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, I mean, again, starting at the top of this, I didn't discuss any of this with you. I really wanted your, your views on this. I wanted it as pure as possible so listeners could, this would be memorialized in the episode. Okay. Right? Okay. So, uh, and listeners can go back and check because I never said this. I actually didn't do the examinations. I was hired by defense for a Daubert hearing against them. And I accepted wholeheartedly because I thought, this is, this is not good. <laughs> I had the view that this did not meet Daubert in any way, shape, or form. So the reveal here is I actually I wouldn't do the examinations. And, and I'll go through the, my thinking on this. And you confirmed a lot of my thoughts. And all the things that you said, Eric, actually – when asked in court, were a lot of my answers that I gave. How would one do this? That was not done in this case at all. At all. So now I'm going to walk you through. So it it was a federal case, mind you. At some point, I may even write this up. And I should probably warn listeners, too, that the next JFI is going to have an article from J. Cadane, Joseph J. Cadane, on a knuckle crease case out of Florida. And I had Jay and I had been talking, and Jay shared a copy of the article with me right before publication. And Jay's views are very much from a statistician, but I had a lot of the same views and actually went stronger in my testimony. And I have to share with listeners this is the first time that I was really uncomfortable giving this kind of evidence. And coming in as sort of the the heavy, the the bad guy, and it was I was really stressed out about this. I don't like being in this position, but the more I heard, and then after seeing the government's witness testify, I went, "Oh no, I I need to say something here because I really felt like the court had been misled uh, with this." So I'm going to go through this. I'm not exaggerating, and someday hopefully I'll get these transcripts and I'll share some examples with you, Eric, and, and get your raw reaction to it. But everything you said was very reasonable. Although the only thing I think we differed on is when I was asked if I would look at him, I said, no, I don't have expertise here. I don't know what is significant about knuckle creases. They may very well be unique and it may very well be important evidence from an investigation standpoint. But to come in with an identification, which is what the government had a report saying they were made or they're the same hand in the photographs. Uh, I believe identification was the word that was used and they are the same hand. Or sorry, they appear to be the same hand. I think that's what it was. They appear to be the same hand. That was the phrasing. Okay, so let me walk you through this. I was, yeah, first requested to compare them, and then I said, no, I wouldn't do that. Um, I don't have expertise in knuckle creases. And the, and I actually talked to the attorney and suggested he was thinking about doing a Daubert hearing on it. And I not only did I agree with him, I encouraged him. I said, no, I'm, 
I'm on board with that. We absolutely should do a Daubert hearing here. And based on the government's uh, disclosure, you know, what articles they were citing and what they were coming in with, I looked at it and went, are you kidding me with this? This is what their citations. All right. So this was done by a photographic unit, not a fingerprint examiner. The case out of Florida was done by a fingerprint examiner. Very similar elements, but this was a photographic unit, so an expert in photography. And their statement was, because I'm an expert in photographs and comparing images of photographs, and this is not an exaggeration, this expert claimed that he could claim, he could compare any two objects in photographs and cited multiple kinds of objects that he would and has compared, including vehicles, Streets, clothing. I've seen the clothing thing before. Horses, clothing, yeah, horses, and I, I kid you not, male genitalia. So apparently, <laughs> he's an expert in comparing male genitalia. And so, ladies, listeners, you know those dick pics you guys get that you don't have to deal with when you get them from men unsolicited? Uh, I've got the perfect expert for you to send them to <laughs> so he can build his database. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure you just said if you if you get one of these pictures sent to you, just forward it to the federal government. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll give you the email. <laughs> All right. So th- that was the claim here. The claim is I can compare any two objects. So of course, one of the lines of questioning is then why don't you compare fingerprints? Why doesn't your agency tap you on the shoulder to compare fingerprints? Well, they have people to do that. Well, why not compare bullets or ballistics? Well, they've got people to do that. And, and in fact, this, this individual is probably very skilled at technically extracting data from phones and devices. I don't doubt that at all. And also talked about facial recognition and facial comparison. I, I imagine he's very skilled at that. I, I admire people that can do that. I recognize that expertise. But he was basically trying to say, because I'm an expert in photographs and comparing faces, I can compare knuckle creases. I mean, I think everyone, everyone out there that's a latent print examiner has had that experience of you take a bunch, especially if you're, well, especially doing the processing, you get all these pictures that come in, or if you did the processing, you look at them the next week or whatever, and you're trying to figure out, wait, is this the same latent that's in that picture? And you start looking at all the shapes and stuff around mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, just the background noise. Uh, to see, okay, if that's, is that next to the wiggle that's like this? And then it's got the, the, the peak, it's got the three peaks here. And like, okay, yeah. And then that and that, yep. Okay. That's the same latent. And, you know, it, you get used to doing that to, to recognize, so you don't compare the same latent twice. Uh, um, but are you an expert in the object that you're comparing? Right. And, that that's 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 not kind of not going down any of the lines the 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 well maybe but only under these you know kind of these circumstances okay all right so let me let me walk you through a couple of things so they test the government testified first it was just the one witness for the government and then i testify and we got to listen to each other's although again going second i got to comment on on his testimony and one of the things I tried to relay to the judge, and the judge actually was really attentive. He seemed to be a very smart guy and was really paying attention, taking lots of notes. And I relayed 
four four things I thought that were pretty important from a scientific perspective and explained this is why I personally wouldn't do these kinds of comparisons because I don't have expertise here. So how do you establish expertise? And besides the fact of hundreds, if not thousands, of comparisons and trials to develop expertise, and I think that's reasonable, hundreds to thousands. I mean, if we think about latent prints, you know, becoming an expert in fingerprints yep. or firearms or whatever. And I didn't do it in terms of hours, like, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the 10,000 hours. That's to become a master yeah, level. Yeah, master level, yeah. You know, 100 hours, you get good at something. A 1,000 hours is probably an expert. You know, 10,000 is a master. As long as you, you're, you're always developing and doing what's called deliberate practice, which is always challenging yourself and pushing your boundaries, not just doing the same easy comparison, you know, 1,000 times over. So I said four things. The first is that you have to understand the distributions of these characteristics. You have to know how they manifest themselves in different photos from the same hand. So if you take 20 photos of the same hand under different angles, different lighting, different flexions. I mean, like you said yourself, as you change the flexion in your fingers, the knuckle creases present themselves slightly different. The angles can change, the depth can change, the the lighting. You, to me, this is a basic thing you need to understand. The same way you'd need to know that for creases in a palm if you're going to talk about creases and palm creases. So that's the first thing. Intrasource variability. The second thing is intersource variability. How do they differ from person to person? And the answer is, I had no idea. I don't know if, like you said, an S and a Z shape. Is that Z shape really common or uncommon? Right. Eric, are, are arches common or uncommon? Oh, uncommon. <laughs> All right. So you know that because you're a fingerprint right. expert. What about Z, what about Z uh -oh. shapes? Z shapes, and <laughs> I have no idea either. Which is why I would not give that testimony, and neither did this. I can give you a quick start. Hey, Glenn, look at the back of your right thumb. You got like a like a Z shape if you scrunch up the knuckle a little bit. Not at all. I've got two uh, parallel lines and then a light skinnier line between. Yeah, okay, them. so there you go. <laughs> So, right, uh, th this expert didn't know that either. He knew nothing about knuckle creases. In fact, the extent of his experience was he had done 12 hand comparisons before. This was his second knuckle crease case. He wasn't challenged on the first one, which prosecution was bringing up was, well, look, we've done this before. Yeah, but you weren't challenged on it before. Now you're being challenged. And he was a verifier on a third. So this was technically his third knuckle crease case he's only basically seen three hands with knuckles and, and again assuming uh, that none of the the testing <laughs> we'll get <Okay>. to that <laughs> yeah you can you can assume away my friend okay <laughs> uh. all right so right so so intrasource variability in fingerprints this is distortion Intersource variability. This is close non-match and knowing how they differ from person to person. Yep. Uh, another thing you have to know is which characteristics are relevant in the first place. This is sort of step number one in fingerprints is even knowing which characteristics are discriminating and which aren't. That's why pattern types, not discriminating in a sense, whereas knowing certain things about the creases. So what about the number of creases? Is that important or not? What about the overall S or Z shape? Is that discriminating or not? How many creases are really discriminating? What, 
What about a Y-shaped crease or a Z-shaped crease or a trifurcated crease? If you haven't looked at other knuckle creases across a population, how could you assign any weight to them at all, even if they do match? Or on the other side of things, you come back to comparing fingerprints. You know, you look at it, you're like, oh boy, look, there's a, that's a, like an inner recurve core looking thing. And like that over there, that's a delta looking thing. Ah, both, uh, got a core, got a delta. There you go. Knowing that whether or not that's in every single print. Yes. Right. And it's, it's that kind of knowledge that not only did I not have, but neither did the, the person purporting this evidence, which was my whole point is, not only am I saying I'm not an expert, I'm saying your person's not an expert either. I'm saying nobody is an expert. And and it, it, mentally, the only person I might even possibly consider who could have expertise in this whole area is possibly John Vanderkolk. <laughs> if he showed me that he had looked at and spent hundreds of hours looking at knuckle crease prints and he had done some of the things we're talking about, then I could possibly defer to that level of expertise. But... Not none of that, of course, was here. All right. So the fourth thing, yeah, intra, intersource, knowing which characteristics are relevant. And then the fourth thing, if you don't even have any of that, if you've got none of those things, which are the basic things that PCAST talks about, if you don't have those things, well, then error rates. And if you did some basic performance testing to say how good you are doing these types of exams, especially if you compare them to lay people then that would demonstrate some expertise. Because the whole government's theory here is our guy's an expert in comparing faces and clothing and such. So he's also going to be, and this is the phrase they used, near perfect doing this. Because they cited a facial recognition study from NIST, although it was a news blurb. They didn't actually have the actual publication because they I don't think they actually published the article yet. That showed that facial experts are near perfect in their examination. So this phrase near perfect came up. But the idea is our guy's uh, he's near perfect in faces. So he should be able to do this. The assumption being he'll be near perfect with knuckle crease. Now, they never said he would be near perfect, but that was the clear implication by bringing up the facial study, which they referenced multiple times saying, look, our guy is an expert at comparing images so he should be able to do this too and the that nist study i mean that i'd have to read through it to just to verify but uh, is 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 likely conducted not with the same level of of quality of photograph low, lower quality of photograph as what is being used in the study even if you could compare the faces to the knuckles I I recall from the study they did things like um, different lighting, uh, different space, you know, whether or not it was cropped or close, different distances, upside down faces. So I do remember them giving some challenging tests, and I I don't at all dispute facial recognition experts. I'm amazed at people that can do it. I'm terrible at it, but I, (laughs) I know that there is expertise there, and I fully accept it. And I kept saying I don't see how any of that translates to knuckle crease comparison at all at all and and because the studies i was citing were showing the exact opposite that these things don't translate 
studies I was bringing up shows that because you're an expert in one field, even matching patterns does not mean you can instantly do this other kind of pattern comparison because you lack the three things I just talked about. What characteristics are relevant? How do they vary within the source? And how do they vary between sources? How could you possibly know that if you've never compared the other object? To me, this is a, it's a very clear logical argument that the government, well, no, our guy should be able to because he's able to compare photographs. Not, All right. not that he, he can't, right? But just I need to be shown that he can. See, my basic premise is, is here is you're no different than the jurors looking at these images as well. Don't put this under the umbrella of expertise. In fact, I wouldn't even have a problem with it coming in. Just don't call this expert opinion. Do not call this scientific by any means, which they were kept calling a scientific examination. And I don't see how you can put this under 702 expertise. So, right. If you want to just show jurors matching images, fine, I've, okay. But I don't see how this is a scientific exam. See, that w- one of the very first things I thought of and was going to wait till later, but now it kind of segues nicely, is is under w- what circumstances, if you, if you were, again, approached by the other side, what would you recommend that they, that, how would you recommend that they uh, proceed on this? So that's under the scenario that we're in right now without all this testing, you've got the result. What would your thoughts mm-hmm. be on just bringing it in, you know, saying the, the photographic guy saying, you know, I just cropped these photos to represent the same kind of area of a knuckle. Yeah. There you go, jury, take a look. And basically kind of just yeah, walk, okay. you know, putting it up on the screen for a few minutes. At what point, first, would what would you think about doing that? And the appropriateness of that and then at what point would you stop the expert from as he goes to like and then i drew this you know and then you one could draw this line and this line and this line and this line and it you know looks to be in the same place as this line this line this line or not even saying that but just putting the lines up for both images you know Mm -hmm. what point is it appropriate to stop that person from from continuing on so this is why it related to last episode uh, last week's episode on the firearms thing because again it's just limited opinion would i have had a problem with them showing class characteristics and individual characteristics which although i'm going to argue we don't even know what those are for knuckle print so where would you stop the expert so my my view which is actually very clear here i I don't have an i don't have an ambiguous opinion i don't think it should have been shown to the jurors because they're not experts either the all the research and i cited here and when i was testifying i said the research actually shows that lay people looking at images can see matching things everyone can see things that match the problem is they will overvalue matching characteristics and put more weight on them than they should and potentially undervalue critical differences. The hallmark of expertise is knowing what things that match matter and what things don't match matter. I mean, we've we've seen this in in fingerprint yep. studies. So the the Tangan study is a great one where they showed matching fingerprints to lay people and experts. And I, if I recall, um, I think. Maybe the experts matched at like 74% accuracy and the other one's inconclusive, but let's say 74% for the, uh, for the experts in, in oh, I under was that even. same source conditions. And the lay people were like 72% or 70%. They were only a few percentage points for off. For the easy matching of, ones. That's right. 
Uh, now, for the same source matching ones. Okay. Yes, same source matching. Okay. But when they gave them different source images, but were very similar looking, the experts only got it wrong less than 1% of the time, whereas the lay people got it wrong 55% of the time. The same things have been shown in uh, the hand, handwriting field as well as facial recognition. And, and it's the same theory. Uh, it's the same thing over and over and over. They do really well at seeing matching, but when they are similar but different, they don't recognize the importance of the differences. This is why I don't think it should ever be left to lay people to be shown similarities and differences and just make up their mind themselves because – all the articles They're show really bad at it. if they are yeah if they are from different sources they are going to get it wrong they're they are very likely to get it wrong and to me it's just it's inappropriate because if you're presenting it as scientific evidence you need that expert to guide you with the interpretation of what's significant or not and that's why the strength of the conclusion and the weight of the evidence is important they're likely to overweight it so i say no i that's why i was I was for not using this at trial for purposes of investigation to lead to additional evidence. Okay, no problem with that. Did this photo lead to something else? But as the evidence that it is this person, and as you pointed out, not a family member, not a close relative who could have some similarity, we don't know. I had a real problem with that. Being convicted, and this was going to be a very serious sentence. This is not... 30 days in county this was a federal case this is going to be significant jail time i didn't support this approach so let me ask you this then to back mm-hmm. up from this case from from the circumstances of this case and what these these experts did and the conclusions that they reached move you know similar kind of comparison uh, into a crime lab to mm-hmm. You know, maybe a, a a mix of related comparison fields that that uh, where no one's an sure. expert, but let's get a face guy and a couple of latent guys, and well, maybe a handwriting guy too. And you go through the the, the limited, but what what you're capable of in, inter, um, internally, a uh, some testing, establish, get some familiarity with it, just at least the basics of it, uh, show that you can do it at least with the limitations of the study uh, accurately and you you establish a protocol for for how this can be done what are your thin thoughts of moving forward with that yeah i and i tell i i, I would have been fine with them using their photographic analysts to do exactly the kind of testing and data that you just said, I would have been okay with that. Because, again, if you can show that you're developing some expertise here or grab six John Vanderkolks to work through this, I, I'm fine with that if those are the kinds of reasonable steps you do to start doing that. Whereas when you read the Jay Cadane article, I mean, he's going to go, he's basically going to say, if you don't have statistics like DNA, you shouldn't be giving this well, evidence. I mean, come on. I mean that, that's, <laughs> and, and that to me is sort of the, in fact, uh, Jay and I are having a little bit of a discussion right now. I'm calling him a purist, I mean, which reminds me of Habers and Simon Cole in some sense of the, well, until they're there, until they have all this stuff, they shouldn't be presenting this as, you know, a scientific conclusion or they shouldn't be presenting this as an identification. And I, I, I mean, I get that viewpoint. I'm, I'm more of a moderate along the way. I mean, I, I don't disagree that those things are important, but I, I, I don't think, given our understanding and expertise of fingerprints, I think it's well been established through testing. 
proficiency testing, competency testing, all these things that exist for fingerprints, I'm okay with having some interim medium here. But that to me is, a, again, the purest extreme view. You can't have it until you have all these statistics. And I'm not saying that for knuckle creases. I'm saying they hadn't done step one. Right, right, right. And, <laughs> right. I mean, I was even asked, what if looking at um, three knuckle cases... Uh, would that constitute some development of expertise? Do, doesn't the fact that he's already done a few knuckle crease cases and looked at some others and some verifications, shouldn't that establish expertise? And I said, yeah, that's a great start on day one. Now you need maybe a hundred more days of this, and then I could begin to recognize some expertise as long as, you know, if you do these other things. Yeah, a great start. But could you imagine, like, your expertise of fingerprints was limited to looking at three comparisons, and off you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, Crazy, right? I mean, I found it fun, you know, you know, from very early on, but I wasn't ready to to go to court. (laughs) After after after, after let's say ten cases. Yeah, ten. Let's say ten. Let's say ten comparisons. Although, again, I think it was fewer than that. All right, so. Last thing here, uh, let me run you through the, the Daubert factors and sort of how the government approached this. And, you know, your, the things you said I thought were very reasonable. So general acceptance, their argument is this is generally accepted. And one of the big things that they cited was swig it, S-W-G-I-T. Right. Because there is a, sta- a swig it standard that says you can compare photographs. And these photographs can have any object, body part, or other, I don't know, comparable thing or whatever. And and they showed the phrase, and it was right in the Swigit standard. And I looked at that, and I think I, I think I, my testimony was something like, if I had been on Swigit, I would have raised my hand and said, uh, no, no way. We need to have some specifications in here on what are necessary to compare these things. And I think the general thing is, yeah, but you weren't on Swigit. You're you're not a photographic expert. And I I, I said I agree. I'm not. But neither is your your guy. I was sorry. He's he's not a knuckle crease right. expert. It was my opinion, and my argument was just because the standard Swigit thing says you can compare any two objects doesn't mean that he has expertise in comparing those. One can compare it. That doesn't mean you're going to do it accurately or be an expert in that object. So that was their argument. Is Swigit said it's okay. So that's the first thing. The next one being these um, testing and validation. Now, they said facial recognition is out there. So they cited facial recognition. And I went, doesn't count. They, they thought it did. They cited, now there were, there were various papers on the comparison of hand features. Most of them were comparing freckles, which I thought was interesting because there was, I think 15 creases, Eric, and then one freckle or a mole. It wasn't clear. It, was a little, it wasn't actually clear at all in the image. It was this little dark blemish on the edge of the hand that happened to correspond with, with a blemish or freckle, you know, sunspot sure. or whatever, on, on a defendant's hand. So, it was one, so they were also saying it wasn't just creases. It was all this other stuff, all the third-level detail, if you will, which was one freckle, which wasn't clear. It was... I thought ambiguous. And uh, so they cited a bunch of freckle papers, which to me had nothing to do with the main portion of the identification, which was the knuckle creases, right? Uh, There was one case study that was mentioned out of 
Scotland. Uh, it was done by, uh, and do you know who uh, Dame or Professor Sue Black is? She she was knighted, so Dame. I'm Sue familiar Black. with the name. I, I I don't believe I've met her. Yeah. She is, she's a head of the university program there. Uh, she's an anthropologist. She has a background and then she's a professor of anatomy and she's hugely qualified. And she went through with a multifactorial analysis in her case in Scotland where they looked at freckle distribution of like 80 freckles. They looked at in, in these couple of fingers. They looked at creases. They had something like 35 knuckle creases marked up. They had a scar. And what was the fourth factor? Oh, the nail bed shape. Apparently, there is um, some distinctiveness to the shape of your nail bed as well. Huh. So they had this multifactorial approach. And when she was all done with all of that, she had all of this evidence. She had two propositions, and she very clearly went through a likelihood ratio approach. And at the end of all of that, she said that there is more support for the proposition they come from the same source than different sources, and ultimately said that her estimate is that this would be strong support for same source. So that's why I love that you brought up your conclusion scale right, right in the right, beginning, right. because she was using an appropriate sort of forensic science verbal likelihood ratio scale, and identification I don't think was on the table. I think she ultimately would have said extremely strong support had it been there. But with 75 characteristics she said strong support right which which in this case they had fewer and didn't run it through <laughs> this proposition and uh and then didn't use a, a similar kind of scale right also in black's uh, article or case study she talked about comparing uh, multiple fingers as well. So they wanted to look at multiple photographs and look at the fingers across hands. So within the, even within the subject in their case, how did his own fingers differ from finger to finger, symmetry, mirror image of hands? How does that, you know, symmetry work and all that? So that was, uh, it's still an exploration of within source variability and tween source fingers within the same person. They're still trying to establish the exact same things I just talked about. Yeah. And that was not done in the government's case at all. All right. Known, known standards, they invoked ACE-V. They kept saying their experts in, their expert is an expert in ACE-V. And it was one of the reasons I was being allowed to testify is because my thesis is on ACE-V. But I very clearly said it is a generic process. This is a, a very generic protocol that it doesn't tell you how to do it. It just says the basic things. Now, the judge is actually nodding at this point, and I can see the expression on his face is, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's way too generic. And, you know, it was resonating with him. And, uh, they, you know, they did not do... Well, I, I take that back. He analyzed the, in, the unknown first, but he didn't document anything. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> he went he went to the comparison and that's when he started documenting oh, the characteristics he was observing uh, he did a verification that was non-blind uh, he did not do a lineup approach at all he uh, he gave it to everyone else in the agency I think he testified that he didn't tell them what his conclusion was ahead of time he just gave them the images but the I mean it's not like they routinely get you know, these sorts of things. Right, if it's, if it's going to be verified, it's going to be an ID. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, there's no, they don't verify exclusions. They never do verification of exclusions of knuckle prints. So anyway, yeah. So yes, they invoked ACEV, but then didn't do any of the things I, I said would have been more rigorous and scientific in their approach. They didn't do any of that. Now, in my view, he basically looked at two photographs, saw matches, and started drawing lines saying, yeah, these two things match. And because I'm, I'm an expert in photos... I can do this. And because I'm an expert in the ACEV, I'm qualified to do this. Do you see why my ire was up? In yeah, that <laughs> I, I do. And I, I, I'm, so I'm signing here really big because if this guy truly is, and if I somehow knew the truth of the universe and, and knew that he was guilty, if that actually is the case, who, who knows really? But if, yeah. if I somehow were to know that. Yeah. Uh, and this is really the only evidence to kind of demonstrate that to a jury it just seems like they 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 missed out on what to do in order to present this to a jury uh, in the in the most appropriate way uh, so that again if he is guilty it, it could be useful evidence to mm-hmm. to uh, obtain that conviction uh, if i hear you correctly there were things that should have been done knowing that this is sort of um an off-the-wall exam to make sure that this goes down right. And it doesn't it seem – they seem rather cavalier about this. And is it fair to say in this time where forensic science is under huge scrutiny? That's, that's the other thing in the back of my head is, God, how is this going to come back against us in Leighton's, right? Where, where – or this, this kind of this kind of one-off thing that doesn't really relate to us at all, you know, somehow bites us in the ass. Yeah. And mind you, this is a – large federal agency that is accredited under 17025, which amazed me that they were able to do these exams as they're doing them within the scope of 17025, including the requirement of annotating before looking at the known exemplars. Which wasn't done, but is a part of uh, the accreditation requirement. Yep. Yeah, I think it says you must observe the characteristics before looking at the exemplars. But documentation is the easiest way to accomplish that. Still. It, 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 or select. 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 There you go. Um, select. That's the phrase. You must select the features you're going to use. And and as... Which I, I, I guess they're going to argue they did, but in his head, he right. mentally selected But, them. you know, as such a, a fundamental part of ACEV, right, like... If you're going mm-hmm. to learn about ACEV, lesson one is look at the unknown first, right? And and get everything out of that first before putting it side by side with the known. That which he did, except didn't document. So, so but what, what what we don't know is did he observe a lot of other features as well, uh, other blemishes and dark pigments and things that turned out not to be present in the exactly. known. Uh, or freckles that he thought were there that turned out that, well, only that one's there, so now I'm going to mark just that one. We don't know because that wasn't documented. So you can imagine, again, my views here. Uh, the peer review, well, I mean, they I think they gave in the end five or six articles. Only one had anything to do with knuckle creases, and it was a case study out of Scotland, the one I described right. earlier. Uh, yeah, The others had to do with freckles and other things. And then lastly, error rates. Of course, there are no studies on error rates uh, with knuckle creases. And they offered one error – well, they offered two error rate studies, a facial recognition one. And they offered 
and this was pretty fascinating. There was an error rate study on the comparison of freckles. And it wasn't just freckles on hands, mind you, but it was freckles on body, on the entire body. So backs, thighs, and so on. There were four experts that participated in that freckle comparison study, and they were dermatologists, not forensic scientists. So they're used to looking at freckles all day long. <laughs> they're experts in freckles, yes. Although they recognized that they hadn't used freckles for the comparison of, you know, for identification right. purposes. But still four. That's, that's fewer than the old drawer article I complain about all the time. <laughs> or, or even my black box one that uh, I used six BCA right. examiners. Okay. There was one other study that they gave that was pretty fascinating because it was looking at feature selection and how experts select freckles and hands, not knuckle creases, but freckles, right? And they looked at uh, a number of experts. It wasn't a ton. Maybe it was eight, eight experts and six interns or something like that, a smallish number, but they looked at lay people versus experts uh, and their ability to select intra intervariability of selection of features, which is a hallmark of, again, what I said earlier, hallmark of expertise, except for freckles. And it turned out that in the study that they offered, this is the study that the government put forward, interns did just as well as the supposed experts in the selection of freckles. There was actually no statistically significant difference in their ability to select these features. In other words, it made my point, there isn't expertise in this. That just because you're a photographic expert, you don't know what features are relevant or not. You're not necessarily any better than the layperson. Their own p folks had a study that showed they were just as good as laypeople. I thought that was fascinating. Yep. Uh, um, well, and, and again, that just makes sense because, again, how many hours have you spent doing this? It's about the same, so the performance should be about the same. Exactly. That was, I mean, that's exactly my view. Now, ultimately, the judge ruled on this. And I guess, uh, I mean, I didn't hear this, but the defense attorney said, look, the judge said that you did really well. He was very impressed with your knowledge of Ace V and learned a lot and agreed with many of the points that you made. However, he, f he thought that my view on Daubert was too rigorous and that it really wasn't meant to be this sort of threshold or checklist or that, you know, it, it was really just more guidance and that the, the threshold for admissibility is a lot lower than that in this judge's view. I disagree from a legal standpoint because, I mean, why even have this if if you really can't meet any of the, the, these things? I'll, you know, why, why even? Anyway, uh, I, respectfully, again, he seemed very smart, very intelligent. He asked great questions. He was really right. intuitive, asked good, good questions, followed along really well, uh, but ultimately said, I'm going to allow this evidence. And he didn't put any restrictions on the government, which is what I thought he would do. I figured he would restrict their expert, but he did not. He allowed full testimony. But what surprised me the most was he allowed me to testify to the jury as well. And that is surprising wow. because I already said, I am not an expert here. I've got, I won't compare these images. I'm not going to compare these images. So he let me testify to the jury. And as you can imagine, so we get to, to the, in front of the jury now. Sorry, are you, are you there or is this remote or like just. This, this is all remote, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but. 
we weren't sequestered for the Daubert hearing, but we were sequestered for the, the, the trial part. So I didn't get to hear his testimony. I only heard about it, you know, from the attorneys. You know, they said, you know, this was you know, said earlier and this and that, and I, I accepted what, okay, fine. Uh, but apparently he was a little more subdued in his approach. He wasn't as um, bold as he was during his Daubert hearing coming in you know, this what I was hearing from the defense attorney said he backed off on a lot of stuff that he had said earlier and and seemed to admit some limitations that were brought up uh, but ultimately did put the images up showed what matched and said you know uh, this isn't an you know, identification they appear to be the same hand and so then uh, that that was it I mean that was and then I came in and again remotely testifying and they kind of ran through the whole thing again in front of the in front of the jurors. Asked, you know, is this are these the kinds of studies that you would expect? What sort of studies would you expect for expertise? Why is it inappropriate to apply ACEV in this manner? And asked a lot of questions that I thought really challenged the notion that just because he compares faces, vehicles, clothing, whatever, he should be considered a knuckle right. expert. So that was ultimately the case. As of this recording, I actually don't know the outcome. Uh, I don't. I that they got the case. People have been listening for an hour on this, Glenn, and now we don't even have an answer for them. Well, the important thing is that the evidence was allowed. True. I actually don't care the outcome of the trial. I mean, I don't have a vested interest in this. Yeah, I I don't know. I really don't sure. know, and and it and it doesn't matter to me in the same sense. I I oh, I cared about the Daubert outcome. I don't care about the trial part because that's beyond my my scope my well it, it's kind of what you get used to to doing as a as a forensic scientist over the years is is yeah. is caring more about presenting your evidence and your testimony more than the outcome of the trial because most of the time you actually never hear the outcome of a case investigation or trial but yeah and that kind of gets you used to that but that's the saga wow so yeah, that's the saga, man. That's uh, that's the case, and 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 it was. It was very uncomfortable going against the government and their evidence and saying, "No, I I'm sorry, you didn't do your homework here. Do your homework." And I I you know I have a different view, but and and the the Sue Black article that was mentioned, she did right. her homework. I mean, she did as much as she could do, and even under those circumstances, still sort of pulled back and had. You know, a limited opinion, whereas, and I and I just can't get on board with this idea of Ace V can be compared. You can compare anything under Ace V as long as you're an expert in comparing objects. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and I think you illustrated the point really well of, of the the flaw in that argument. Uh, in uh, all right, you become right. an expert in comparing objects. Here's some fingerprints. Good luck, right? Because <laughs> We all know how, how hard right. and difficult that is to do. Well, and, and there's a reason that his agency doesn't tap him on the shoulder and say, look, we're really backed up. Can you take a look at these and do some fingerprint comparisons? And that would be outside of their scope of accreditation, and it would be really inappropriate. Right. I mean, but yet, but yet they tap him on the shoulder and say, compare these horses in these two photographs. Right. Go for it, man. Well, and- I mean, that's, it's when bizarre. I start, when I did, a, you know, I did a forty-hour class on faces, and I mean, it it took me to the end of the week to get kind of good at it, right? <laughs> um, um, yeah, okay. I can't even imagine jumping into firearms or handwriting. 
um, you know, Blitzstein uh, pattern analysis, even knowing bits and pieces of it and being any good right away or, or doing in my first 10 comparisons. Yeah, the phrase I kept saying is a, a hallmark of expertise is knowing which characteristics are diagnostic. Just because you can see a characteristic, a crease or whatever, you don't know which characteristics matter, which ones are significant, and this is what you need to develop. And I imagine after 40 hours of doing you know, facial comparison, I imagine the things that are readily apparent aren't necessarily the most discriminating characteristics. Right. You need to know which ones to look for that matter the most and give you the most specificity bang for your buck, if you will. So speaking of specificity, I, I, I texted you my, uh, my thumb just to see if you could see the Z that I'm talking about. Oh. Again, it's not the creases that make the Z. It's kind of the in-between. It's kind of like a bubble Z. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. World War Z. <laughs> there you go. And, uh, yeah, I, again, I could, I could figure out kind of where to start, of, but, again, I, I, don't, I don't know how many other people have this kind of, uh, of thing there. I do not have you that have on your, my Okay, fingers. so at least... There's at least one other person that doesn't have this. Oh wait, I uh, I actually oh, oh. close non match. Uh, my uh, I, funny, I almost skipped over my pinky. My right pinky has something somewhat similar to that. Oh okay. And again, if you were looking at yours versus mine, could you tell the difference? I mean, would you be able to necessarily discriminate these two just looking at? I'm looking at the angles and approaches and not knowing exactly how skin flexes and what, if I flex inwards, which direction do your creases go? I mean, all these questions I have about creases, I couldn't answer. I do have a very prominent half moon thingy on my, under my nail that uh, your, your, your pinky probably doesn't have, but, but, yeah, but, uh, but still I take your overall point of I, at least, at least let me look at a couple dozen of these things. Um, Again, I, I just I just wish they had they had gone through, like you said, done their homework, uh, so that this could could have been presented um, in a in a responsible manner. Yeah, or, or um, just just presented with more of a complete picture surrounding it. You just, you just kind of painted the smile on the Mona Lisa. There's 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 more to the painting here. Okay. But uh, oh man, that's. That is that's one heck of a story, Glenn. I uh... well, and and thanks for going through it that direction. And you know, again, alerting listeners, this this exact same thing happened in a case in Florida where a fingerprint examiner went through a very similar kind of hearing. Although in that case, the prosecution withdrew their conclusion of identification and said the prosecutor said, "I'm not going to allow the fingerprint examiner to say it's an ID." They can show the similarities and differences, but I'm not going to allow – I won't even ask the question, what was your ultimate conclusion, although the report said identification. So it's one of the reasons why I'm going to tackle this is, like we said at the top of, of the show, this may be coming up more often in, in these kinds of cases with proliferation of cell phones and such. I think listeners need to know if you're even thinking about this. You're on really shaky ground, and I'm coming for you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, that's, I guess that's the, that's the final <laughs> I'm, message. It's actually you're good. You haven't pissed off any latent people. It's just it's just the photo people that are coming after you oh. now. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! No, I, oh, I'm um, sure. 
I didn't tell you about my other oh, hearing. Okay. <laughs> we didn't get to that. Uh, I'll very quickly. This was in sure. Florida. This was with the examiner who had done the, the knuckle crease identification, but in a different case. I wasn't involved in. But I came in and talked about their agency policies. There were two agencies that were presenting some cases. One of them had no standards, no accreditation, no certification, no documentation, didn't feel that they need to, didn't feel that they should have to document, didn't feel that it was possible to document the ASB examination, and had a very similar view to what we had heard with Brendan Max in the you know Chicago yeah. area. And so I was very much against their their approach. The other agency that the crease examiner, sorry, the crease latent print examiner, uh, had more actually had had started to uh, create SOPs, had started to have her examiners go through proficiency testing, had started the basics of a quality assurance program, and I give her total props and credit for that. I mean, kudos on moving in that direction, but. Uh, they even had a form for documenting their examination, but they didn't document the features, uh, you know, uh, the form, the basis of the conclusion. But defense wasn't trying to keep that conclusion out of the courtroom, just wanted some limits on how she w- she or they were going to testify. He was trying to keep the other one out that had nothing at all, like right. zero. So it was, it was weird because there are two different agencies, so I had to compare and contrast this agency has nothing. This has something. So I definitely pissed off a whole bunch of people. Well, but, so this is all on like crease, uh, sorry, non-friction ridge skin comparisons? No, sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to be confusing. The Florida cases were fingerprint oh, okay. cases. Got it. Finger or palm print. They were friction ridge examinations. I'm, I'm sorry if that wasn't clear. They were doing friction ridge examinations, but without SOPs documentation, certification, right. no proficiency testing, no competency testing, no documented training program, all all the problems that we've discussed in other episodes. All right, so, you know, in these Florida cases, it just tales from the weird. I do have to share a couple of moments of, what, really? So, you know, besides the fact that I was being told that you can't document the ACE-V process and, and the original hearings that we had had or depositions, the examiners were saying, that they would not document the examination unless they, there was a court order to do so. The judge had to court order them to document ACE V. Uh, again, it was just mind blowing. And 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 the, the attorney just even wanted them to do a chart, like a charted enlargement of the matching characteristics, which, which would have been all post conclusion, but still okay, better than nothing. That's my point. It's not contemporaneous, but they said they wouldn't unless they had a court order, and. They then had to get supervisory permission to do so, which, okay. I, I heard a lot of very bizarre testimony, mostly from the one agency, but the other agency had a few things that made me, again, raise an eyebrow. And one of the ones was they had never heard of, or the witness had never heard of Sir Francis Galton, had no idea who Sir Francis Galton was. And I went, what? <laughs> how, how, how was that possible? And And they had, I think, I want to say 18 years of experience. Have you ever heard of that, Eric? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, I know there's, when we were talking about our, the books we recommended, you know, a couple episodes ago or last episode, I can't remember how long ago that was. I know we, we, we both kind of commented on how more recent publications have de-emphasized the history a bit, but I mean, <laughs> 
still. Uh, the free uh, fingerprint source book um, online, David Ashbaugh's book, chapter one for both of those, he kind of comes up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was very surprising to me. I mean, I, I would, again, get it if if it was, you know, someone with six months or whatever, but this was a fairly experienced examiner. <laughs> well, or, or you throw in, you know, Malpighi or, 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 you know. Oh, sure. Yeah. Some, or, or someone a little bit more obscure, but I mean, sure. the, per, the per father kind. of fingerprints. Is, is, <laughs> kind, kind, that's one to put on the let's, let's read up on this guy kind of list. Uh, yeah. Anyway. He's the logo, right? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Actually, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. That's a great point. Uh, of the, that's the of the the II. But oh boy, what a story! And um, if uh, if we do hear down the road for people that are that aren't used to this not knowing part, if we do hear down the road how this case ended up turning out, we'll we'll give a little update on uh, on that at that point in time. Uh, but uh, all right, Glenn. Anything else uh, here to to cover today? No. Uh, uh, thanks uh, for again for participating. Oh, thank this. you. And I have to give you the answer as well. Um, the, oh, and, for the uh, the anagram. Yes. So let me give let me give you the answer here. Did, or did you get to the end? Did you get an answer? I'm- so I was I was, was going that's why I was going to jump in with is 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 my best attempt at the answer. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. All right, so the anagram, Glenn. So there's a lot of letters here. Um, I I don't think I got it. The closest I, I have an extra F. Uh, the closest I got was intraclass groin. Is it <laughs> is it intraclass groin? <laughs> it is not in, intraclass groin. Dang it! Uh, so right. the an- the answer is Sir Francis Galton. Sir Francis Galton. Okay. All right. Well, we're a little bit long here uh, this week, but uh, but still fun discussion. And again, thanks, Glenn, for. Uh, I, I think it, this isn't our normal way. We usually kind of both prepare a bunch of stuff on the topic, uh, and then you know, and then come in and discuss. So, you know, hopefully for all the listeners, this was a little different dynamic uh, than usual. You know, you know what? Maybe even had a little bit of the twist and turns of some of our reviews of recent. Yeah, I thought you might appreciate the the twist and the turn. Exactly. Speaking of the twists and the turns, um, my brother, uh, you know, who, like I've said on multiple episodes, uh, listened to every episode of the podcast, or at least started to listen to every episode. Sometimes uh, we get a little too in the weeds for him, but for you know, he's completed most of them. Uh, anyway, he listened to the episode on um, the most dangerous animal of all. Uh, and finally saw what you look like for the you know after listening for seven years <laughs> the show had no idea what you looked like and said he's not at all what I expected from his voice so um, your you, your your face doesn't match your voice Glenn at least according to my brother well <laughs> I imagine that's probably quite true uh, this guy's uh, hideous. <laughs> don't think that's what he meant but anyway i just thought that was kind of funny exactly it's a little bit different and, and hope you guys uh, enjoyed this if you have any comments or, or thoughts on comparing skin or uh, uh you know any other experiences along these lines please send us emails glenn at eliteforensicservices.com or eric at rayforensics.com website patreon facebook twitter uh instagram you can find all of that at doublepodcast.com uh, for uh, the links to the, everything else. 
Uh, but we'll get out of here. Uh, opinions expressed are those of the speaker, not anyone else. And talk to you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Have a good week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay sane. Take care.